When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on today's episode, we try to figure out where the O has gone after back-to-back losses out of the break, including the Jets' setback Thursday in Philly. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right into it here. Busy all around and a busy start for the Jets out of the break. Getting a little scared right now. I, I guess, is the panic button being pressed or are we just hovering over it right now? That, that feels like the state of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, a bit of a stumble out of the block so far. Uh, let's just get the hell out of Pennsylvania. Maybe that's maybe that's what it is. I mean, you, you go to Pittsburgh and bad things are bound to happen. So maybe getting the bad juju out of the way early, the Jets will figure things out in the next uh, 30 or so games because guess what? They, uh, they better figure it out soon. <laughs> or else this gets really scary. Uh, we'll break down the opening two games out of the All-Star break for the Jets. In this episode here will be a bit of a quick one as we're, you know, moving, figuring out life, existential crisis, all that stuff. But we'll get to the mean, uh, the, the meat and potatoes, which is uh, first and foremost, the Jets lost to Philly. And then also a look back at that uh, setback in Pittsburgh. Joining me once again to do so is CJOB's Tyson Rowicki. Tyson? How we do it on a Thursday night? Doing pretty good. Looking forward to the weekend. You know, that's that's kind of the mindset right now. It's been too gloomy, really. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this yeah. kind of feels like a long week. I'm looking forward to the weekend. Hopefully, some sun. I legit thought Tuesday was Friday. <laughs> so this, woke, is, this has I been woke, like a 17 day week for me. I woke up today thinking, like, legitimately thinking, "Oh, can't wait for Friday." This is. Today's Friday, looking forward to the weekend, yeah. and then it was like, oh, one more uh, day. Kind of sums, sums up the Jets' week, though. I, I like that, the gloomy gray weather. It's been absolutely no sunshine for Winnipeg so far. I mean, we could say out of the break, but realistically, Tyson, this is going on. I mean, how many losses in a row now for the Jets? This is five, right? Yeah. I mean, even before that, things weren't all that, you know, nowhere near as dominant as they were in the first – 35 to 40 games so i mean like we could break down certain plays and instances of that jets flyers game and even the penguins game as a whole there but to, to me the main question right now is why can't this team score a goal i mean it, it, almost almost six full periods out of the break they didn't get one thankfully connor you know breaks the schneid a little bit there with five minutes to go albeit you know basically a useless goal there but I was probably the worry going into the season, Tyson, was how is this team going to score consistently? And they defended those issues um, through the first half of the season. 
I, I, I wonder how worrisome this is and if, if there's an internal solution here to the Jets figuring out their, their offensive woes right now because it's just nowhere near good enough in these last two games against bubble playoff teams, let alone what might end up happening potentially in round one against Dallas or Colorado. Yeah, like it's it's it is worrying at this point, right? Like we're looking at I think it was 10, 10 goals in the last eight games. Like it's the scoring needs to get going, and you know you had those injuries, you had some guys banged up, but it is starting to get a little bit concerning. I mean, thankfully you have that cushion, so it's not as much of a worry. But I mean, some of those teams, like and you look at Colorado and Dallas, and they're going to be looking at the trade market come trade deadline. And really kind of hoping to build build their team a little bit stronger. And they kind of have their pick of the litter now. So it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks coming up. But I, I think I still think it's a little too early to press the panic button. Just because this is like the first real sustained period where they don't have total success. But I mean, lots of teams so far this season that we think might be Stanley Cup contenders have also had stretches like this. So not no panicking yet. But... There are some concerns popping up. Well, and I think the panic is the panic is in a sense somewhat justified here in Winnipeg because we went through this last year. Like the exact same thing. The yeah. Jets are in first place, you know, head, headed into the new year and oh my gosh, could this be the team? And then it was holy crap, can we please hold on for a playoff spot? And like it's not that dire yet, but I can understand why Jets fans are like, "Oh, here we go again." And and that's that's kind of the interesting thing to me about this team and last year's team, Tice, is I still don't have those fears. It, it, it's just the, the issues are polar opposites between the two. Like last year, the Jets were, I thought, a, a complete paper tiger where they were just, you know, kind of riding the percentages a little bit, you know, getting fortunate with, with Hellebuck standing on his head and then maybe a few percentage-fueled benders offensively. But then they just collapsed down the stretch in terms of, you know, not being able to defend if their lives depended on it. Like, that, 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 that wasn't really a team. It was just a collection of individuals who played good for a handful of games here or there, relied on high-end talent, and, and ultimately, you know, exposed to a degree by Vegas in the playoffs last year. The structure and all that is totally still there for Winnipeg. They're just not generating chances or finishing on any high quality chances that they do get. So it's like, it's, it's kind of a good thing where it's like, okay, you know, the defensive side of things are, are still there and it's not like there's complete breakdowns and a lack of effort and things like that. It's just right now <laughs> they're, they're trying to win a lot of two, one hockey games. And you just can't, you, you can't go through 82 games like that. It's just not uh, – you could be the best defensive team. You could have freaking Hashik. I mean, those Sabres teams, they they always squeaked into the playoffs because it's just really difficult to do that night in, night out. And I think that's what the Winnipeg Jets are finding out here is just, you know, it's great to have the potential Vesna winner, but you got to put in three on a consistent basis and then kind of work from it from there. Um, for me, the big issue is offensively, Tice. I mean, number one is just <laughs> – number one is, quite frankly, the power play. Like just just think how different this last stretch of games would have been if they could just get one freaking goal on the man advantage, right? Like it just change it can change the complexion of a game. Instead, it's just the ultimate momentum zapper. Like the, their power play right now is the equivalent of an energy vampire. Like it just it sucks the life out of the team, 
And I mean, you saw in Philly, they get a, like the, your power play can't get outscored in games, right? Like uh, you're, you're going to lose every single hockey game where that happens. So that's going to be the intriguing thing is, is how they're going to fix that because they made the external addition and, and maybe it'll take a, you know, a, a couple of games for Monaghan and the rest of the group to figure each other out. Um, I mean, we, yeah, the, the, there are issues five on five. There's no doubt about that. But to me, you just you, you got to score once in a while on the power play, and they they weren't even they weren't even close to sniffing the net against Philly. I, I like that uh, old twelve ninety reference you tossed in there. The old oh, energy. that was good. cosmic ball, baby. That's right. <laughs> I, had to, I had to mention that as soon as you said that, I just had a big smile on my face. But oh, I mean, it's, awesome. <laughs> you're hundred percent right. Like it is right now. There's there's nothing going for this team, and there were some plays where the puck ends up in the middle and they get a chance, right? But there's just not enough setups for it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just seems there's not a purpose on the power play. Yeah. Like what, what, and I 1000% agree with you because watching that, that Jets Penguins game, I mean, the Flyers just don't have enough skill, Um, but watching, watching the Penguins power play and how, I mean, these have been some of the worst power plays in the NHL we've seen in these last two games. And and that was what I was watching with the Penguins, where it's like you have maybe the best offensive defenseman in the NHL. You have a top five player of all time, a top 20 player of all time, right? Like so much talent. And they're just like aimlessly passing it around. And it's like, what are you, what are you trying to set up? And that's the same thing with the Jets right now is, I mean, like, just just go ask somebody and say, like, what what is what is the Jets' like number one best chance to score on a power play right now, or what is the play ultimately they're trying to set up? And I don't have an answer, and I I, I think that's part of the big reasons that they're struggling so badly right now. Right, like it's just I don't, if we're talking about pure set plays, I think that the only set play they have is the Connor slash Ehlers one timer on the off the half wall. And that's and it's just, and, it's too slow. It's too slow. And you notice that, especially in this Philly game, when the Jets did have power plays, there wasn't a guy, there wasn't a flyer past the Renette line most of the time on their penalty kills. They they let the they let the puck go to Morrissey up top with a bunch of room. They they let them pass around the perimeter. Like that that's teams know that they don't have to defend the perimeters that much because the puck's gonna stay there. We could take away the high danger area of the ice against the Jets power play, like. Well, have success for the most part, and that's what's happening. And the only way to change that is to change it structurally, right? Like we, you added some new personnel. That's that hasn't really changed much, mind you. It's only two games, so there's it's still a small sample size. But the problems on the power play haven't changed with new personnel. So the scheme issue. How do you fix the scheme? That's for them to decide. That's for them to figure out, right? And that's something they're going to have to figure out if they want to go deep in the playoffs. Yeah, well, it's definitely on them to figure out, and they, you better figure it out quickly here. I mean, the other part of it too is, and I mean, this is a—is it a scheme or is it an execution thing? But there's just no movement as well. Like it's the two cardinal sins of a power play: are you static, and do you just aimlessly pass the puck around? Check, check, check. Oh, that's why you're operating at ten percent or whatever it is for for Winnipeg this season. So, uh, yeah, it's—it doesn't have to be a great power play. No, just just average, right? Like that. That's all. That that's good enough. There have been average power plays, and teams that have operated with those have won Stanley Cups. Um, but it's just it, it it's got to be it's got to be sorted out quickly. Um, 
they have a good, if they have an average power play, they probably have an extra six points in the standings. Oh, they're, they're in first. They're in first in the division. No, like yeah. no, no questions asked. And they're battling for. I mean, they're battling for the the president's trophy, and that's if it, if everything else stays the same. But the power play was half decent. It's it's a killer, and it, it's killing them right now. And that's what that, it's games like that where, like sometimes five on five, you'll have the ebbs and flows, but just get, just get a PPG once in a while, and that could be enough to maybe just squeak you by a bit of a rough stretch. Like that's how you go two and three instead of losing five in a row, right? Little little, little things like that. So. The power play is just it's it's a tough watch right now. We'll, we'll see if maybe some home cooking Saturday night gets gets the juices flowing a little bit. But oh man, it's tough. It's tough. It's it's tough to expect a quick turnaround here. It might take some time. And you need the goals on the power play. And you you had that chance early in the second, right? Down three. You're down three goals. You score on the power play. The game tides probably shift a little bit, but you give up the shorthander, and that's just a dagger. That's to give us game over at that point. And that that's the kind of you. You can be getting outscored on the power on the power play. You just can't. It's not a it's not a recipe for success. I agree. Yeah, that that's you and me. We've got this brilliant hockey intellect here, Tyson. Where <laughs> you you're minus one on the power play. It's that's a tough one to overcome there. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, the man advantage has been an issue all year, but even the five on five scoring's dried up for for a long time now. Um, and this is the tough part too, Tice, because especially with Monaghan coming in here, like you don't, in an ideal world, you don't want to tinker right away, but I don't know. You're, you kind of have to, <laughs> like, I know you would like to give specifically the Monaghan line a bit of time to acquire some chemistry and gel and, and read off each other, but you're getting, you're getting nothing from, from the rest of your lineup right now. <sighs> I mean, what, what what's your move in, in terms of shaking things up up front? We saw it at, at times in the second period, at least. I mean, time on ice wise, it, it looked pretty even throughout the game there. But Velarde was actually off this, the, the top line. And uh, Alex Iafalo jumped up there with Shafley and Connor. That's not the answer. I'll, I'll just say that up front. I, I don't want to see those three together and, and have some kind of a shakeup in your in your forward groups there. But. Like, what's the move heading into Pittsburgh? Is it just try it out for one more game as is, or do we just shake the whole thing up? Yeah, it's tough. I I would like to see Ehlers, Shifley, and Connor reunited. And from there I go, Velar- or yeah, I would toss Velarde, Monaghan, Perfetti together, keep the Lowry line together, keep the bottom six, or just keep the bottom six together. And I think those two changes on the top six maybe – that gives you a spark. It's hard. It's hard because I, if we're going full shakeup and maybe Nino moves into the top six, that's what I was wondering up there. But then I wonder who's going to play on that Lowry line, right? Like I, it's I don't really see a fit from anyone in the top six there to kind of just slide down to that Lowry line and kind of play the way that that line wants to play. So I, I, I think that you're at your best bet, and they that Lowry line generated a lot of chances of this game. I think that your option right now is to. Move around with the top top six because I think the bottom six is still played fairly consistent, even though they might not be scoring the goals. But that's why they're depth scoring. They're not the front line, right? Like they they shouldn't be the guys who are consistently scoring for your team. That's when you run into problems. So I think that a, a shake up in the top six, see if that Ehlers Connor Shifley line can really get going. I mean, they were on the ice together on that goal, the four one goal. So 
maybe that's something we see going forward. That's something I would like to see going forward. I mean, are, are you familiar with Occam's Razor, Tyson? Oh, of course. Oh, really? Okay. I'm a, I'm a very le- I'm a very learned man. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah. You, you nailed that one. You're, you're very <laughs> learned, <it> did. <laughs> well, you are a gentleman and a scholar, even though you totally blew that one. But, <laughs> I, man, I, I hate to beat a dead horse here in Winnipeg, but Ehlers was on the top line and this team was rolling. And they were scoring a bunch. That, to me, seems like the simplest solution here is, I, I personally, Tice, I would like to, I would like to go back to the trio that was absolutely rocking the NHL for a handful of weeks there. I, I would go Shafley, Ehlers, Velarde, and then drop Kyle Connor down to that second line with with Monahan and Perfetti. I, I do like if you're going to have Monahan and Perfetti together, I think you need one of Connor or Ehlers on that line. They, they they'll just need an element of speed to open things up beside them. I I, I just don't think. You know, even putting Velarde or Nino on that line, I have my doubts that they're going to be able to get through the neutral zone easily, get on the four check, things like that. So to, to me, you kind of got to pick and choose. Okay, is it Ehlers or is it Connor? I mean, Velarde's kind of been a little quiet too. Like maybe, maybe putting Ehlers up there gives it a bit of a spark. That's where I would like to go with that. I think, you know, and and we'll talk about Sean Monaghan um, just in the last part of this episode here. But I, I don't know. I, I get the sense that he might mesh well with, with Kyle Connor because he's shown to be pretty adept at, at finding guys in space. And he's been a much better passer than I anticipated. And I think that's going to fit Kyle Connor's game just nicely there. So I think that's the move that I would make there. They've just got to be a little bit sharper too, Tice. Like that's the other thing is no matter what the lineup is, it was kind of exemplified on that first goal of the night, even though I know it was you know a defensive issue. But the Flyers on that first goal were just quicker to them by one step every single, like literally every single play, right? Where you had Connor just a step short on the forecheck. Sandberg, a step short on the pinch. Pionk, a step short of the neutral zone. Filardi, a step short, right? Like to to me, that's kind of symptomatic of where this team is at right now is just that, you know what? They got to pick up the pace a little bit. The feet and the mind got to get going. And then hopefully the goals come soon after that. Um, quickly, Tice, before we wrap things up, like we said, going to be a bit of a short episode today. Two games in, what's the verdict on the Sean Monahan trade? We, we can make the verdict today. It's determined right now. Is it an A, B, C, D? No, but what, what have you seen from him through the first two games? Any reasons to be optimistic, pessimistic? What stood out to you? Well, I do like Monahan's ability. To see, he, he is willing to get into that high slot and put himself in positions to score. So that I mean that that is a plus, and if you add a guy like Connor who can kind of open up the coverage a little bit, and maybe holes in the defense get opened up a bit, that's where Monahan can kind of shine when he's finding those soft spots on the ice. And he has good finishing ability. He just it just hasn't quite translated yet on the Jets. But like you mentioned, it's two games. Uh, but, but it's he was a, he's slower. <laughs> I, 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 I don't really know how else to put it. He's not very. He's not a very great skater at this point in, in his career and that's i mean that's to be expected with all the surgeries that he's had yeah, hey but, if i if i had double hip surgery they, <laughs> you'd be you'd be piggybacking me everywhere to go, and a, try to skate in an nhl game and a groin surgery too yeah. <laughs> but it's I, i'll wait to, to see a couple more games out of him 
I mean, I was I've been a little bit hesitant of the trade since it's happened. I I haven't seen too much to kind of have those concerns go away yet, but it's still early. He still has a gel with those guys too. And I mean, he puts, he gets a little bit of puck luck. He probably pots him a power play goal and who knows, maybe the whole, the whole game shifts there, but still going to reserve some judgment, but I'm not totally sold on the trade as of right now. Yeah. I mean, the good news is apparently Nick Dowd from the Capitals uh, has a first round ask right now. So <laughs> that's the uh, from Frank Saravalli. So if that's the case, then you know the Jets got a, a steal with Monahan. Um I, I mean trust tree right now, Tice. My 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 first thought was he's slower than I thought. Like, like I wish he was a little bit faster. I, you kind of outlined the reasons why it makes sense, but um there, there's just a definite lack of foot speed, which is why he's just going to have to be insulated with one of Connor or Ehlers, in my opinion. Um, but like I said earlier, I, much better passer and playmaker um, than he was in Calgary, to be honest. Um, I, I th- he, he does say, like, he, he, he's just got to, he's changed his game, right? Like, it's the, the physical limitations that he has right now, he's just got to operate differently. He, he does have a very good understanding. You can tell he's he's, yeah. he, he's putting himself in like the proper situations to pounce on a turnover, pounce on a loose puck. Like he does have that hockey IQ. Well, and he's kind of like the Jets fans are like this, but he's kind of like Stasny in a way too, where you just don't really notice him, right? And and so when he goes pointless, you're kind of like, oh, where was Monahan? But then there'll be a streak where he ends up with five points in four games, and he just kind of you know unassuming goes by it pretty quietly and at the end of the day your your team's the better for it he's just not a guy that jumps off the page um like he did in calgary or like some of the other deadline editions might so yeah i mean the main thing is you got to give him time i mean realistically you probably can't properly judge his his fit in the lineup and all that until <laughs> ironically until the trade deadline um i do wonder though and this isn't a monahan thing but just like a winnipeg jets thing as a whole and maybe we'll get into this on our next episode on Tuesday. I might be out on the acquiring a D-man train and be going full bore into let's add a winger here. Like let's add a, a little bit of oomph in the scoring department. There was an That's, interesting, sorry, there was an interesting name on Cervelli's trade board today too. Okay, let's get into it. 30 seconds here before we wrap things up. St. Louis once again. Ooh. I'm knocking. Pavel Buchnevich. <laughs> I could see. I, I could see it. It, it. it would, and I. It seems like an under the like a really good player kind of sneaking under the radar a little bit, especially if the Blues are out of the playoff hunt come deadline time. And even if they're not, we've seen them do that with Stas. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. The, the Blues are the one team that. Like we don't care. We'll move anybody. We'll, we'll trade anyone at any time. That would be. Hey, look, maybe the Blues got him for cheap. Maybe the Jets could find a way to do the same thing. That would that would be one of those impact additions that don't necessarily look like one on the surface. Yeah. So I wonder, like the Jets, I imagine are dangling that that Montreal second rounder. I I wonder what the add-on would have to be to to make that happen. Ooh, I like that. That's a good way to end the ep- That's a good way to head into the weekend, Tyson. <laughs> we inject a dose of optimism and energy here. And now we're feeling okay after a couple losses. Um, But we'll wrap things up there. 
And uh, yeah, we'll head into the weekend and get ready for a couple of episodes next week. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in once again to Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Verwicki, CJOB's Tyson Verwicki with us once again. After the weekend, we'll break down and see if the Jets can get back in the dub column. A matchup a Saturday night at home against the Pittsburgh Penguins before, thank God, the San Jose Sharks come to town Wednesday. That, that, is, a, that is a sight for sore eyes. So uh, we'll see if the Jets can uh, head into that San Jose game with a win under their belt or if they're going to be trying to snap a lengthy losing streak. But we'll get into that and any other trade talk and chatter when we get back at it after the weekend. Until then, though, once again, thanks for tuning in. Stay safe. Try to get out of the cold. Have yourselves a good weekend, and we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. Peace.